This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. All of us have to make a peace with the fact that you're not perfect. Let's go to John chapter 8 verse 12 to 14. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, even I, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from and where I'm going. What an amazing statement. If Jesus could say, I am the light of the world. I am the light what, is, what a statement. We start, if we want to talk about being real and engaging God, there's, there's something that's needed because a lot of people today have a massive need for community, for church, for fellowship, for a place of belonging. But the Lord invites us to something more than that. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So, so from the word go, when the sin was committed in the Garden of Eden, the first time when the darkness comes in, what is the first reaction? Is people would hide, hide from God. And we start with this statement that you cannot hide anything from God. So why do we try? What is that thing that motivates us to sometimes live in a fake relationship with God, and we pretend as if he doesn't know, but he knows everything about you, he even knows the hair on your head. God knows you better than what you know yourself. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we spoke about Nathaniel and how God chose him, and when he came, he said, hey, how can something good come out of Nazareth? And then Jesus said, I saw you sitting on the fig, under the fig tree, and you are a man with no deceit, an Israelite with no deceit. The Lord looked straight into his heart. The Lord exposed straightly all his wrong perceptions and his wrong expectations of God. And then he cries out and says, surely you are God. Surely you are God. How do you know me? <laughs> because God knew him better than what he or what you, the she, knows herself. And so the challenge for us in this time that we're living, in this age that we're living, we have to deal with the fact that God is light. And in God, there's no darkness. In God, there is no darkness. So the question is, can we hide from God? And from the beginning, when man entered and sinned, Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves. Then the next generation tried to cover themselves from each other. When the one killed the other one, the two brothers, and the one said, Cain and Abel says, no, no, where's, you know, the Lord asked him, where's your brother? And the first reaction is like, am I my brother's keeper? And so there's a relation that God wants us to come in. And so the question is, if we want true fellowship with God and true community with God, then we also, there's also a relationship that we have with one another. And this is a challenging one because if we're going to do fake church and if we're going to do fake relationships, then we're going to never understand the depth of real covenant relationships. And there's something that kicks in when you and I begin to walk in that place. But it's a massive challenge because we grow up to perform and do stuff on the outside and to pretend. And so listen to this in 1 John 1 verse 4 to 10. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Sure. 
So it means your joy can be half measure, you can have a quarter measure, you can have a little glass, you can have a big glass, okay? A little glaze and a big glaze. Okay, but so your joy may be full. I want to have fullness of joy. And the Bible says the fullness of joy of, in God starts in His presence. But it says this is the message which we have heard from Him and declared to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We, church and relationship with God is not supposed to be a pretense, it's a, it's a real deal. <laughs> it's something, and God wants to do something in our relationships with Him and with each other, so that the world out there will look and say, wow, what you have is real. I was speaking to a guy that went to this church in, in America, big church, famous church, lots of famous people. And he said he came out, he was, he's an unbeliever, he, didn't know, he doesn't know God. And he said, well, the crazy thing is I did not go to church to see a show or to be psyched up. But the problem is I found it there. People don't go to church to visit the world. People go to church to visit God. And the scary thing about what he said about this church in America, he said two things. He said, first, they pray, they played worldly music in the foyer to try and psych people up. And the second thing is the pastor didn't quote one scripture. Mentioned the name of Jesus, but it was all a motivational talk of how to become a better you. He said he walked out and he says like, is this real? Is this real Christianity? Because I find a better party than that in the pub. People don't come to church because they want to fake Jesus. They don't want the world. They want Christ. And so this is what he says. He says, look here, don't, don't lie to yourself. Don't have one foot in the world and walk in darkness because then you can never have true fellowship, true communion, true intimacy with God. He says, because in God there is no darkness. And so when you and I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but when you drive, you know, and there's a car coming from the front and it's got its brights on. Then the first thing that you do is like, you know, first thing I do is I bright back. You shall have it, you know. But that's just part of the sinful nature. I repent later, okay. But uh, that's just between the two of us. Okay, how many of you bright back? Okay, repent right now, okay. You shall have it, you know. I am going to bright you until you are bright, you know. You've been brighted, okay? I don't know if that's very poor English. But in any case, so, but what's the first thing when the bright shines of that car coming to the, from the front is you like, Ugh, you know, you try to hide because the light is so overwhelming. Most people in scripture, when they saw God, they were blind for a couple of days. Because if God starts to manifest his light in the natural your body will not be able to respond to that. And so he says, spiritually, yeah, and that's what he's talking about. He says, don't lie to yourself, but if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. So to have fellowship, the prerequisite for having fellowship is you must first walk in the light, in the light with God, and you must have a commitment to walk in the light. And that's a scary part because it's a vulnerable place. It's a place where you have to open up your heart. It's a place where you say, hey, Come light, shine. 
And that's, normally we feel exposed and we, we don't want to be there because of hurt, because of fears, because of, like, what if I can't trust? There's a, there's a lot of stuff comes out when you start to walk in the light. But he says, first walk in the light. Then we can have fellowship. So many churches, and sometimes even we, we get it wrong because we say, let's create fellowship and then hope later we're going to get to the light part. But he says, first walk in the light. You have to have a commitment to be broken, transparent, and open before God. And he says, what then begins to happen when you have fellowship from that place? Suddenly something happens. The blood of Jesus begins to have its effect on your life and on your relationships. Then covenant relationships come. And it's awesome. But it's scary because we don't know covenant relationships. And so the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't, you know, when we speak of forgiveness, what happens is we say, Lord, forgive me. The Lord forgives you immediately. There's this freedom. But you can see, and this is, this is mark my words today. I'm saying something prophetic. For most of the church in the West, you will never hear them talk about the blood of Jesus. And when we lose the talk about the blood of Jesus, we lose the effect of the cross. Because the blood of Jesus brings and kicks in a certain effect in our lives as Christians. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. The blood of Jesus, as Jesus took his own blood and he went into heaven, changed heaven by sprinkling it on that mercy seat and say, Negmar, it is finished. Tetelesta, it is completed. And heaven changed after Jesus went in there. Because now you and I can enter. And that's why Hebrews 10 says, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies, into this place of intimacy with God, not through our own righteousness, not because we jump up and down in church, not because we come to a nice church, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we have lost the power and the understanding of the cross because we never talk about the blood. And you must ask God, say, Lord, what does it mean? What is the blood? What is the effect of the blood of Jesus Christ in my life? The Bible actually talks about a lot of effects, and I can't go into that tonight, but it talks about the blood of sprinkling. It sprinkles your conscience before the Lord. You have this freedom to come to him. It gives you a boldness to stand before the Lord. It's like, it's like this, almost this gory subject where you think like, oh, you know. Now, I'm not a, I, I don't think I've ever been called to be a doctor because, you know, I, d I don't like blood. But I've got some friends that are much worse than that. I've got this one big friend. He lives in Wellington, this tall guy, but he's got a, he's got a loud mouth. You know, and, and he's, he, they took his wife for a sonar, you know, a scanning of the baby inside. And when they put the scan machine on the tummy to look whether it's what's happening inside, he passed out. Not just the first time, but the second time and the third time and the fourth time, okay? After the fourth time, the doctor said to him, uh, you are a danger to our operation and you better stay outside, okay? So, so people, some people just don't like blood, you know? <laughs> So he's quite a tall guy. The first time he hit his head against the one bed, you know, he fell like, poo, like a plank, you know, like a boof. Uh, I think it was six stitches. But in any case, you know, it says like, look here, we can't look after your wife and you decide, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because he was a bit of a trauma guy. But so coming back to the scripture, that's got nothing to do with nothing. So 
the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Now, a lot of people don't want to submit to the cleansing process. But there's, there's something that happens when you and I commit ourselves to say, sure, I actually need to learn what it means to be a Christian. I need to learn what it means to be in covenant relationship with other people because there's a commitment required. It's not an event thing. And so many people today, they want to just go to an event and have an experience with God, but the experience in itself is not going to change you. Jesus said it. He says, even if you see the miracles, it's not going to change you because there's something deeper in your heart real covenant that he wants to establish so he goes on in verse 9 he says now if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and again that same word to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us whoa this is tough scriptures so we've lost this ability of truly what it means to repentance because repentance is a cleansing process it's amazing it's like it sets you free Repentance is something beautiful because you realize, hey, it's unto God. And I come to God. I don't run away from God and try to fix myself. I run to Him. And then when I start to confess and I walk in the light, something happens. The fear goes. Everything that has a hold on me goes. Because now suddenly Jesus can become Lord of my life. And see, many Christians stay at Jesus just being a Savior, but they don't know Jesus as Lord. And the only transition is a revelation of what it means to walk in the light and apply the fullness of the blood of Christ. So light reveals, darkness hides. Spurgeon said it like this. So we need to have a willingness to know and to be known. If you know, you want to just know intellectually, hey, you can go in that pursuit. But if you really want to know God, he's going to, Show you something in his heart. And we pray it like that sometimes. We say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. It's a scary prayer to pray. But are you willing also to be known? Are you willing to step into that place where all the bad stuff is exposed? <laughs> but the amazing thing, when you come to God, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. Because that's what his light does. So it says here, we cannot be open with God, but close to our brothers. The nearer we come to God, the more we will begin to hate sin. If you do not hate sin in your life, you're not walking in the light. You're lying to yourself. And so a lot of people talk about the, uh, this concept of the love of God. But if you want to love God, you have to hate what God hates. And that's sin. Not the sinner, but sin. Because some other time God begins to take his light and says, sure. Now you can't just walk here through campus and just say like, yeah, yeah. Because every week there's ladies being raped on this campus. Every week, you know. I want to I wanna sometimes be very unchristian when I see how Christian stands, Christians stand up for the world. I must now think of how I'm gonna, but this one guy who's, somebody told me a while back, this one guy who's the Christian is promoting girls to sleep over in the race. And I think like, what? 
No, because it's just the days we're living in. That's, that's just like the norm. I'm thinking like, whoa, what is the norm? Listen to this in the Romans chapter 13. You're very quiet tonight. Okay, switch on the lights, okay, that nobody can hide anything. But so the armor of light in a world of compromise. Romans chapter 13, 8 verse 13. Whoa, he says, Oh, no one, anything except to love one another, for he who loves another was has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not be false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. It talks about this relationship that we can have with other people, but in the context of, hey, what are the commandments? What are those things? He says, love does not harm to a neighbor, does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. In verse 11, it goes on, he says, and do, and do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. He says, wake up, wake up church, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. He goes on, he says, let's put on Christ. He talks about the armor of light and I've told the story many times, but there was a lady that was in Satanism and stuff and she walked down here in Victoria Street. Eventually she left, um, she lost her, um, her mind in a great way, but the one testimony that stuck with me many years she said she would walk down Victoria Street and then she would see the Christians and it would scare her as to how much light they were shining out. Because she could see into the spiritual realm. But she was part of the darkness because she was like casting stuff upon people and curses. And she said, well, she couldn't cast the, the curses on especially the spiritual Christians. She said the only thing that puzzled her is they didn't know how much light they had. They looked defeated. They looked defeated, she said. But when she became a Christian, eventually she would testify and challenge. And she would use this scripture. She says, now it's high time. Wake, wake out of your sleep. <laughs> wake out of, this is not a game. <laughs> There's light and darkness. You know what? There's no in-between. The moment when we tell people out there, there is an in-between. And we start to live that in-between. We lose the power of the blood. We lose the power of God. Sure. So what should we commit ourselves to? Are you still with me? Shake your neighbor and say, hey, why are you smiling like that? Okay, it's quite cold in here, so if you want to use the opportunities to sit a bit closer, then, then that's right. Okay. I went to preach at... Um, Josh Jane, the other, other day, um, the Lord is doing amazing things, and I loved what the pastor said. He said, guys in the church, you're not allowed to date outside of the church. No, no, you're allowed to date outside of the church. Girls, you're only allowed to date inside the church. And I said to him, I think that, that's sheep stealing. But I actually like that. But in any case, so... <laughs> commit ourselves to being real. Okay, so... Our challenge, if we want to walk in the light, there's a couple of things that the Lord challenges us. And so the first thing is, is stop wearing masks. Stop window dressing. 
And it's a massive challenge because we want to post on Facebook and Instagram. We want, we want to tell the world that we've got this great life. But sometimes life isn't so nice. Our joy can be full. Our joy can be full despite what's happening out there. But stop telling the world that living for Jesus is just a happy existence. We're setting people up for great offense with God if we're just telling them the Christian life is a nice life. The Christian life is tough. If you follow Jesus in the way that he asks of you, it's tough. It's not entertainment. It's not you're going to die. And to be able to live, you have to die. And it's tough. It's called sanctification. It's called the process of being saved. But the joy you find in it is just the most amazing thing. No more hypocrisy. The only people Jesus challenged and the only people Jesus really, really got angry with was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those same people that asked him that question is like, hey, how can you bear witness? You, how can you bear witness of yourself? But they were the biggest hypocrites. So he says to them, hey, you brood of vipers. You clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is dirty. Beware that the outside of the cup is not clean and the inside is dirty. He says, you go across the world and you make somebody worse than yourself. Because through religion and the traditions of man and the stuff on the outside, you try to portray this amazing thing. Now, I know there's some metro men in the church. I'm not looking at anybody. But I saw one coming in, sitting at the back there. Yeah? What is the definition of a metro man? It's like you have looked at yourself in the mirror at least three times before you've entered or you've left out of the front door. Okay? That's a metro man. Okay, doesn't qualify for ladies. Ladies is seven times. No, I don't know. I don't know how many times ladies look in the mirror, okay? So if we hypocrites, we actors, it means we're pretending something. And, and what happens is we do exactly the same with God. That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were great at pretending. They had all this outward stuff, but inward, there was just death. And Jesus said, stop being a hypocrite. It's the only people he really fought with. He never fought with the, with the sinners. The biggest challenge for us in this town is not sinners, people that sin and sleep around and are in adultery or any stuff like that. The biggest challenge in this town is Christians that compromise. Because the world out there is looking at our lives and say, I don't want to be like that. Become real and honest with others. Live in trustful, transparent way. Love the truth. Confess our sins to one another. Be quick to confess. Be quick to say you're sorry. Be quick. The Bible is actually so clear on it. It says when you come and bring your gift to the altar and you realize like somebody else has got something against you, leave your gift at the altar and run, Forrest, run and go make right with that person, you know. The forest part isn't, okay, it's not scriptural. But run, go and make right. I told you the story of these guys in Pakistan. You know, their motto is, unless you stand together, you die alone. That's the motto of the church because of persecution. But then when you go to places like that, we saw 22 bombs go, go off in one week and you don't need any spiritual courses to forgive and release and confess. 
I remember this one day, day we're driving in this car and the next moment we're literally feeling like we're going to die. You know, it's like in the movies, like real movies here, you know. So we stop there and the pastor says the following. He says, uh, this is where they killed the second in charge of Al-Qaeda about uh, three weeks ago. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, what? So we're stopping there, we're in a traffic jam. And so now everybody in the, in the car begins to confess their sins. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm thinking, well, we, we're obviously not going to die or anything because the pastor driving the car next to me, he's still all right. Is that Colleen where I sit? Yeah. Hello. Okay, but so, so the pastor next to me, he's fine. Okay, so he's sitting there and he's just like, and so the, the guys in the team at the back, they like, they're confessing their sins. Oh, you know, I'm afraid. You know, oh, I'm struggling with pornography. Oh, I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the pastor is still all right. You know, and the next moment the pastor says, I'm afraid that we're going to die. I confess Jesus. And I'm thinking like, okay, we're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Because they operated a little bit different. They operated in this way. They said there were four guys when they were 22 wanting to reach the nation. And then they said, okay, Lord, give us a sign that we should be uh, in Pakistan. Pakistan is like a war zone. And so the one night after this planning of this big crusade thing, they go and they drive. The next moment, a black sub car drives and a truck goes in front of them. Another one at the back. And they're sitting in the car and about... 16 people jump out of the cars, front and back of them, with machine guns. Four of them, the friends, all Christians, love the Lord. <clears throat> they ask God for a sign. So in the next moment, these guys begin to open up with the machine guns. No bulletproof car. They open up their machine guns, and they, yeah, here comes the first shots. The guy says, he closes his eyes, he's sitting there, and he says, okay, Jesus, we're dying right now. <clears throat> Going to go to heaven. He just hears like, Everything shatters. Everything is just blown apart. So he says, when he opens up his eyes, he thinks like it's heaven. And then he says, no, the road is there. So he closes his eyes again, and then he opens his eyes again. And says, no, these people are still standing. So he closes his eyes, and he opens it again. And he realizes, no, he's still there. So they jump into the cars. They drive away. And here the four of them sits. The gear lever in between the two people driving has been shot to pieces. The steering wheel is gone. Front, front windows, back windows, all the windows, everything in the car. And not one bullet hit them. They said, thank you, Jesus, for giving us a sign. <laughs> Some people operate in a different way. <laughs> so don't just pray for a sign. I mean, that's, what I, that's the moral of the story. Don't just pray for a sign, especially if you go to Pakistan. Okay, but so. <laughs> James 5 verse 16. Listen to this. Confess your trespasses to God. Thank you. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then comes the scripture we want to quote all the time. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But we don't quote that verse in context. That verse only has effect in our prayers. Once we've learned to live in community and fellowship by confessing our sins, walking in the light. Don't go and pray to God. You want to be effective and fervent and change the world, but you can't live in relationship and live in the light with people around you. Because it's only once the one has started, then the effective, fervent prayer. And the prayer starts with confession. 
starts with praying for one another. Realizing that I'm not supposed to make it on my own. Sure. So when we live in this space, we become a people that are not radical. A people that live normal Christianity. I said it this morning and I'm going to repeat it quickly. And we don't have enough time, but we, we're going to do it in five minutes. Everything about Jesus was different. Not for the sake of being radical, but his whole message, his whole challenge was contrary to the things in the world. Why do we want to live like the world to reach the world? Don't use worldly things to reach the world. Follow Jesus. <laughs> and there's a generation out there that is waiting for people to say, I know the real one. I know the real Jesus. Because the virgin birth was against culture and religious norms. Just imagine Mary and Joseph saying, hey, do you know what? We're going to have a baby, but the Holy Spirit made her pregnant. What? Uh, no, no, the Lord told us an angel appeared that my wife is going to be, no, she's not my wife yet. She's out of wedlock, but you know what? God said there's going to be life. The savior of the world is going to be born through her. Wow. I love Mary in that way. She just said, Lord, let it be according to your word. She knew everything is going to freak everybody out. And that child is going to have a label on his life probably for the rest of his life of illegitimacy, of born in adultery. Oh. So even Jesus' coming was not in the right space. It was not in the right place. Then he spoke about the Sabbath. Sure. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they just wanted legalism and a lot of rules. And he says, it's not about the tradition of men. He says, those things point to me because I'm the light of the world. Oh, and then the king on a donkey, just that humility by which he came. Oh, and then the way he chose his disciples. Went to the University of Jerusalem. Picked the five master degree top students and say come for a bursary i'm going to show you how to do it he went to choose fishermen no front teeth two were the sons of zebedee they just you know they were terrorists and the rest were just crazy <laughs> born into a family where his own brother did not even believe in the call on his life and that he was the messiah only still after the resurrection his brother james started to believe that Sure, and then the cross, the most ultimate place of offense, of brokenness, of surrenderness, of showing vulnerability. Not my will, but your will be done. The whole message of the cross, that of denying yourself, die before you can live. The world says live and then die later, but live fully now. And Jesus says die now so that you can live for eternity. The resurrection is defying anything that we know in our natural mind and scientific mind. And yet it's the most powerful miracle that we will ever know. Jesus raising from the dead, conquering death, taking our sins upon him. Everything about Christianity is radical. If you believe in this God, it's a radical faith. It's a radical, not for the sake of being radical, but just because it is different. 
And so to move in the power of God and to be able to be released by God and to say to the world, hey, there's a real Jesus. You have to conform not to this world, but be transformed. <laughs> and we've been talking a lot about that. And when we come to the light, when you say, hey, light shine, first Jesus come and be the light in my life. It's a scary place because we want to hide. That's the first thing the sinful nature wants to do is we want to hide. We don't want to pretend. We want to we want to tell the world how great we are. And the world does not know, wanna know how great you are. The world wants to know how great Jesus is. So the modern day gospel, for a lot of charismatic churches especially, they tell people how great they are. Just become the most better you. Greater is he that is in you than in this world. And that's, that's cool. It's true. God just wants to prosper you. And he wants to just give your life in abundance and, 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 and just... This is amazing. This life is amazing. And the Lord says, die to live. Die to live. If you don't deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you'll have no part in me. So the scary part is if we do a cultural Christianity or we do a Christianity that has got no light in, where there's true repentance and true confession and true fellowship and true covenant, then we're going to have a trouble. The Bible says we're lying to ourselves. So it's not Christ. It's not the gospel. And God invites you and me to that place. He doesn't condemn you. He says, just come into the light. Don't try and be the light. Don't try and fix yourself. Just stand there in the light. Now, I can tell you many stories, but the one day I'm, I was flying up to visit um, Angus and I'm staying in this guest house. This is quite an embarrassing story, okay? But I'm just gonna tell it to the two of us, okay? So don't tell anybody else. So here I'm standing and now quickly I need to rush to this meeting that we have with all these important people. So I, this nice guest house, the Lord Grey or the Grey Lord or the whatever princess, whatever Lord guest house. So I'm staying there and there's a lot of people in this guest house. So I go to shower and I have to go quickly shower and there's this amazing glass shower. Everything is like perfect, you know, and it's like, and I stand and I think like you, you know, and there's been a water scarcity in, in the Cape and now I'm in a hotel and I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be good, you know. This is going to be a bath and a shower together, you know, just go for it, you know. I worship under the shower. So yeah, I'm standing and I'm busy closing these two. It's like pure glass and it's like this thick glass. It's this amazing thing. So I... I stand there and I'm just switch on the water and yeah, I go like, poof, close the door. And then the top part of these two doors connect and they sort of like, I don't know what happened. But the next moment it just went, pa, And the two doors shattered. It just was like, poof, you know. And it was so loud and there was just, now my, my, my towel was there on the other side, you know. So, so now I'm standing there and I'm, and I'm thinking, is the front door closed? Yes, the front door is closed. Hallelujah, okay? Because now I heard people running. Some ran out of the place and some ran to my door because they obviously thought I shot myself, you know? Now I'm, th now I'm thinking like, oh, is the door closed? Is the door not closed? Is it like, you know, I can, I can just imagine. Okay, so now I've got this process, you know, because now it's just glass all over. Now I go like, First step. 
And the people are starting to bang at the door. Now I have to do this as quickly as possible to get to the towel to cover myself because I'm just thinking they are going to kick down this door and now I don't want to cut myself in the glass. I have to get to the towel. But the towel is a meter away, but it feels like 400 meters. I feel completely exposed. You know, and I'm thinking like, what? You know? So it's one of those moments that you just don't share with other people. But in any case, so, so eventually this lady is banging at the door. You know, she's screaming, are you alive? Are you alive? I say, yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I try, and I try to make it like I'm not sound like I'm lying on the floor bleeding to death or just shot myself because it really felt like a, it sounded like a gunshot. And so lots of people were sitting at the breakfast table and they were just all running, but literally some people ran out and some people ran to kind of try and rescue, see if they can pick up the body or whatever. I don't know, you know, some people are attracted to bad stuff happening to other people. I don't know, but in any case, so why am I telling this story now? You're interrupting me. Okay, oh yeah, yeah, okay, so. So that moment, you know, when you're just there and you think like, whoa, you know, in the natural, but in the spiritual, many of us feel like that. There's stuff that has happened to us and then we think like, what if people come in? What if people see? What if people like, and then trust is broken. And because trust is broken, we struggle to trust God. We struggle to, to move into that space with other people but we will have no revival until we've come to a place where we can really have fellowship, where the blood can have its effect in our lives. Because then once you're out of that place of pretending and you're okay with not being okay, and you can even tell the sinners, do you know what? I haven't figured anything out. I, I'm not trying to have an intellectual debate with you and I love apologetics. I love all of that stuff, but that is not what people is looking for. They're looking for, is Jesus real in your life? And how can I have that real Jesus? And once we can show the world what that real Jesus looks like, with all of our vulnerability, with all of not being ashamed of the cross, not being ashamed with the king hanging on a cross, naked, bleeding to death, saying, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. That is a people that live in the light. That is a people that's not afraid to open up. And so the challenge for all of us is stop pretending, stop wearing those masks, stop being hypocritical. Be honest with God as to your shortcomings. That's why we started with asking, hey, what, what are you struggling with? Stop living for event Christianity. Stop living for the next touch or the next move. Look to Jesus. And the scary part is when you're going to stand there in the cross, before the cross, sure. He took your shame upon him. He took your guilt and my condemnation upon him. He broke our iniquities and our infirmities. Remember when Stephen told the story, and it's a story that stuck with me about these trees that they had there in Malawi and then the goats that they tied with ropes. And so what happens is certain times of the year, there's not enough stuff and the goats will destroy the grass and the, what they need, to, where they need to graze. So what they do is they tie the goats with ropes to these trees. And then what happens, the goats walk around the trees for a couple of weeks and the goats walk around and the goats walk around and the goats walk around. And the goats walk around. 
And then eventually when the grass has started to grow and the pasture is great and all that stuff, then what they do is they loose the ropes so that the goats can go. Set the goats free. But because of the goats being stuck in that place, the goats keep on walking around the tree, around their own sin, around their own fears. They don't realize they've been set free. They don't realize what Jesus has done. He's taken your condemnation. He's taken your shame. But you have to come to the light. And the Bible says you have to have learned to confess your sins to one another. And that's where it starts. It's, we, it's easy to confess your sins to God, but it's not easy to confess your sins to somebody else. Because we want to be individualistic. We want to live our own life. Oh, I want to go to church, have a nice experience, and then go on with my life. But we don't want to be accountable. And without accountability in your life concerning your natural things, concerning your finances, concerning your emotions, if you're not accountable to other people, you cannot have the fullness of the blood of Jesus manifest in your life. Because then the devil, who sometimes portrays him as the angel of light, will have a hold over your life. That sin in your life will have a hold over your life. And Jesus did not just come to forgive the sin. He came to break the power of sin. I'm going to say it again. Jesus did not just come to forgive your sin. He came to break the power of sin. So he said to that woman in adultery, you know, it's the guys, the Pharisees again, brought the lady, said, oh, she must be stoned. And then Jesus forgives her immediately. He first challenges the hypocritical view of the Pharisees and the, those guys and say, okay, you without sin cast the first stone. And then one by the other, they walk away. <laughs> and it's just Jesus and the lady left. And then eventually he says to them, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Wow. Jesus would never tell somebody to do something if it's not possible. Do you believe? Do you believe? 